Hello! Not top of the morning to you, Sakina, and to the rest of AM Live listeners. Listen, Sakina, I hear you did a special vote. You applied for a special vote. I did, I did. Why is that? Where are you going to be tomorrow? In Pretoria. Oh, no, no that's, that's just wrong. This, this is unfair. So, <laughs> I'm, we have to go in queue while you are sitting in Pretoria and waiting for results. That's just wrong. <laughs> no, but uh, you make it sound as though, you know, I pulled some strings, did something illegal, nothing of the sort. Uh, if you, you were to, to be in Pretoria, you could have also. Huh? <laughs> I heard how you spoke to the commissioner there. I heard that. I was listening very attentively. <laughs> you know, uh, let's not get into that. Let's rather talk about Asian shares and what's happening there. And I see they're yeah. down at the moment and, of course, awaiting that Reserve Bank of Australia's interest rate decision. The decision has been made, so, you know, um, they've cut down by uh, 25 basis points. So Australia sits now at its lowest ever uh, interest rate. It's sitting at the moment at 1.5%. This is quite incredible. The shares were down, unfortunately, despite the base, uh, for them cutting down uh, their ratings. Uh, they're down by 0.6% on the day. The Australian dollar also fell by about 0.75 basis points after the decision was made. It didn't have any impact whatsoever on the currency. Um, but the, the, the bigger Asian markets as well, so Kina, are a little bit under the blanket this morning. The MSCI uh, broadest index of Asia-Pacific shares. This is outside of Japan, obviously. That was down by 0.4%. And also after the S&P 500 ended Monday yesterday, this is uh, by 0.1% in the low. So it has not been a great morning for the Asian market. It hasn't been a great morning even for Australia themselves. Um, what was the reason behind the cut? Um, the, uh, the central bank uh, 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 chairperson explained explicitly that what they were trying to do is stimulate growth. Uh, we know that that has been their challenge. We know that they're struggling to do that. We know that their target is around 3.5% for this year. We don't know if they will get there. But obviously, this is evidence that all economies, even major ones and developed ones, are very much under pressure. We know this as well because we look at what's happening even in China, for example, Sakina, which has slowed down quite considerably, um, even with the numbers coming out yesterday. So a lot of these guys are, are so, so linked, uh, so closely linked with China. And so when they don't do, when China doesn't do well, uh, these guys also start to struggle a little bit. Specifically in this particular case, we're talking about uh, the Australian the Australian economy. So it's not really great. Good, it's not a good, it's not a good start to the morning uh, for the Australian market at all. Mm. And then, of course, we spoke about this uh, uh, last week as well. Uh, your one of your favourite people, uh, Shinzo Abe, there, um, uh, him and his cabinet approving fiscal steps to boost growth in Japan. So, you know, it was very, very important that, that uh, our Kaiser Chiefs man does this. Uh, the first thing that we, we know is that uh, Abenomics 2.0 is on the road now. That, so he had to go and get support from uh, both parties or both houses um, uh, of government to make sure that he, he gets the kind of capital required to resuscitate the Japanese market. What he's asked for, Sakina, is a... Uh, an amount of about 132 billion U.S. dollars. That's about 13.5 trillion yen. And what he's going to do is uh, the package is expected, obviously, uh, to include 7.5 trillion uh, yen in spending by national and local governments, and also earmarks 6 trillion yen uh, for fiscal investment and loan program, 
which is not included, obviously, in the government's general budget. So by so having uh, been re-voted again, and by so doing, he's asking them to actually emphasize on economics again. Now this comes back as 2.0. He's saying that he's got... He believes that they can still resuscitate the Japanese market if they do put these fiscal and monetary policies in place to make sure that they stabilize their economy. The biggest fight that Japan has been uh, having within its, within its economy, uh, one, that of deflation. Obviously, we know that they've been struggling to grow uh, the companies and, uh, uh, in terms of currency. And, and the other one that is quite interesting that's been, that's been uh, also a challenge for them uh, has been uh, to expand. So, um, unfortunately, um, one of the reasons why they struggle so much is because, obviously, um, the many companies that are there, some of them are starting to move out of Japan and to find head offices in other countries as well, such as the U.S. and the United Kingdom. And that has made it very difficult for them uh, to grow and expand at the pace that they needed to. But this has been a 21-year struggle, and it's starting to actually hit down on the poor of the poor within the Japanese market. And so he reckons that this money that has been asked, that has been he's, he's requested, that will help, will go a long way uh, in returning and revitalizing uh, the uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Japanese economy. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm wishing him luck. You know, they say, uh, so he's one of those. Uh, so hopefully uh, this package will help him to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think he's on the right track, though? You know, the most important thing to remember about Shinzo is he's got a very strong team. If you look at his team of finance ministries and the finance minister, uh, the uh, the governor of the Central Bank of Japan, the BOJ, and if you look at what they have been able to do so far, even though it doesn't show great, I think it takes a long time to change an economy that has reached saturation. But they've done relatively well. I'm looking at the numbers, if you look at the growth numbers, for example, uh, they've avoided uh, recession a couple of times. Uh, however, what is quite impressive is that they haven't stopped to grow new businesses, new companies, and also getting involved in the tech space, which is quite interesting for Japan. Uh, and also, we've, we've seen them invite more and more foreign direct investment uh, in the likes of the U.S. companies that have established themselves within the Japanese market, including the Chinese companies as well. So, so they've, they've, they've got a really good plan. Uh, I know economics, phase one of economics was a struggle for China. Um, and one of the reasons why that was is because we hit a global uh, downturn. So the markets around the world were negative, and so they were not necessarily doing well as well. So I'm thinking that with this new package and uh, with this amount of money that's been given, that, that is a lot of money to try and send around an economy. $132 billion, uh, should be the ticket that takes them to the next destination of the Japanese market. And then uh, Zimbabwe, uh, see there that they're saying that they may charge farmers rent on land that was seized from white farmers. I'm sure some of them are now regretting. Huh? They're like, ah, oh, why did we take the farm in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> no, Sakina, Sakina, what, what is going on is that the government is proposing that they should be asking these farmers to actually pay rent. I don't know why they haven't been paying it. I'm, I'm sure they pay rates or something. I don't know. But this time around, they're going to sign up a 99-year leases with these farmers, and they want them to contribute uh, towards the paying rent uh, out of the produce which, uh, obviously, these, these farmers are producing. So they want them to participate in the economy by doing so. They reckon that that will give them a budget. They're actually going to establish a fund that's going to be collecting that particular, those particular uh, rental rates, and they're going to be pushing that, obviously, uh, towards the, it's going to form part of, the, of their fiscus. So I, I, I don't know if it's going to help 
I don't know if these people can afford to pay for those uh, uh, for those rents because some of those farms I know very well that they're not doing relatively well because of the struggles that the, the country faces. However, if if you are paying rent, at least if you are producing something from the ground, then that it makes sense. But if there's nothing that you're producing, and um, you're, uh, we know that they were hit also by a little bit of drought uh, that we suffered here in, in the country in the last quarter of last year. So I, I'm not sure if they will be able to collect this kind of money, and I'm not sure if this will work, because some of those farms are really have become just uh, places where uh, there is no produce whatsoever. So it's an interesting tactic, uh, but it, it would work if there was produce and they actually could uh, pay those particular rents. But I don't think most of those farmers can actually afford that type of uh, uh, rental, in, uh, rental uh, payment that they have to do to the government.